भद्रं कर्णे शृणुयाम भद्रं पश्येक्षिजत्रुभागुंसस्तनोभि व्यशेम देवहित यदायु स्वस्ति इंद्रो वृद्धश्रवा स्वस्ति नूषा विश्वेदा स्वस्ति नस्ताक्ष्यो अरिष्टनेमि स्वस्ति नो बृहस्पतिर्दा ओं शाति शाति ओं सहना सहनाभुन सह वीरकवाह तेजस्वीतमस्तुमा विदिशावहै ओं शाति 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 आत्मा प्रणवचोत्तरारणिमर्मथनाभ्यासंदहति पंडित सो दरिजे दरिज a long uh, tradition of using the omkara as a alambana alambana means what as a means what is the means here om what is to be revealed using the om om <laughs> so it is the vachya it is that which is to be understood it is the vachaka it is the object as well as the means because everything is brahman correct it is the object as well as the means so this sound symbol i told you there are two kinds of symbols pratima pratima means that which is a a form symbol like swastika like even a um, form whether it's the cross or whether it is a form of bhagavan any form of bhagavan it's a form symbol and here unlike that this is a sound symbol and we'll see why now there is a long tradition see already we are doing adhyasa in our daily lives correct starting from the small small adhyasa what is adhyasa let's make sure we know superimposition starting with the small small adhyasa of seeing a snake on every rope correct <laughs> to the big adhyasa of feeling that somebody doesn't like me or whatever it is it is all just a continuum all right so now since we are experts we are adhyasa kushalaha we are experts in adhyasa so what the meditation is also another adhyasa because in any case that which is beyond time beyond space beyond everything how are you going to represent it through any particular thing correct so any form that you use any sound that you use any word that you use is going to be adhyasa alone and here we are in our comfort zone because we are experts on adhyasa <laughs> so it's like the rishis took pity on us and say go ahead <laughs> do one more adhyasa only with a small difference this adhyasa is the final adhyasa which removes all other adhyasa correct in fact all meditation is an adhyasa and shamelessly the shastra herself says you know what is adhyasa the definition of adhyasa again in the brahma sutra given by adi shankara is atasmin tad buddhi tad buddhi tat means what that that, that buddhi in atasmin in not that <laughs> so whenever you have that buddhi in that which is not that this is adhyasa so when you have snake buddhi in the non snake whether it's a hose pipe whether it's a it's a curving stream of water or whether it's a rope it is non snake correct so that is adhyasa so atasmin tad buddhi is the definition of adhyasa very interesting so 
meaning seeing the the not that thing in a particular thing you know yeah seeing the the the, 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 the that buddhi in the non that location all right so in in fact this is something shamelessly encouraged by the shastra and the shastra herself says that for the sake for those who are not very you know what's the word for it not great adhikaris adhikaris means people who are qualified for the knowledge they are not yet adhikaris and so for them they need something to hold on to and if for such people they are told that you are everything you are beyond time space their eyes will glaze over correct yeah they are like what what are you talking about you know and so therefore for them the shastra has devised a wonderful method and it says that you you just superimpose you superimpose bhagavan you know imagine this is the beauty of this tradition you superimpose something which is all power all knowledge onto a small little piece of stone and call it vishnu saligrave vishnum dhyayet in the little stone found in the himalayas with some insignia of what is attributed to vishnu some uh, shell will be there and some swirling chakra will be there it is called saligrama that's because the himalayas were the ocean because india was part of uh, africa they th- that is what they say several you know uh, thousand years ago and then this piece of land broke off and then collided in this whole tibet and all these regions and the collision created these himalayas and then that's why you find sand and uh, shells in the himalayas that's why and so these fossilized shells they have the insignia of what is considered sacred insignia of vishnu and those stones are not just called stones they are called saligrama so saligrame vishnum dhyayet in this small little stone that has been carved by a little creature you know going round and round please invoke who mahavishnu the sustainer of the universe this is the beauty of seeing bhagavan as ev- in in everything so any one thing can represent the whole because any one thing will be atasmin only and but that tat buddhi can be put in everything because that tat happens to be in in you know every name is tat every form is non separate from tat and so what is the definition of this you know uh, meditation upasana upasana the, the upasana itself has a definition upasana means meditation upa the definition of upasana is also interesting utkrishta nikrishta vastuni utkrishta vastum adhyasya dhyayet dhyayet may one meditate how on a lowly thing superimpose an exalted thing <laughs> nikrishtam means lowly thing <laughs> like this uh, piece of stone with a carving of a chakra or a shell a conch shell and then so that is a lowly thing because you can find it anywhere you go in the himalayas you know and all the people who pick it up on the road side sell it on the road side they pick it up and sell it you can find it you can choose one for yourself and one for your friends and bring it back people do this normally and uh, nobody says thank you for bringing me stone immediately the adhyasa is done thank you for bringing me mahavishnu they receive it with great care and they do puja to it every day so they very ritualistically they worship so nikrishta you know nikrishta vastuni in that lowly object you know do avahanam invocation of the most exalted thing utkrishta vastunah adhyasa this is a clean adhyasa really but thankfully it's the ultimate adhyasa that removes <laughs> omkara upasana is the ultimate adhyasa that removes all other adhyasas why because omkara is the ultimate beyond that you cannot do any other adhyasa this is the safe thing that's why so now omkara is also seen as that itself as a sound which stands for brahman what kind of brahman aparam brahma and param brahma both what is aparam brahma ishvara bhagavan what is param brahma the truth of ishvara bhagavan which is consciousness 
that brahman which is free of attributes names and forms so brahman in relation to the jagat as the ruler of the jagat is called aparam brahman brahman along with maya shakti is called aparam brahman and omkara stands for aparam brahman when you chant om as a prayer what are you invoking aparam brahman when you contemplate upon om as the truth of yourself what are you invoking param brahma as yourself really so really when you chant om it becomes a upasana so now what is this om we have to see first let us look at it linguistically because it's it's a it's a clean word in the sanskrit language the root verb can be traced to ava rakshane in the ava means to protect that which protects is om and how do you get that which protects the agent of protection there is a suffix for the agent of protection and that agent of protection suffix is manin and after you know getting chopped off it becomes man so what do we have now ava plus man, man. what does it become ava man yeah now there is one rule that whenever ava the, the root word ava contacts the suffix man you have to change it into u okay so our becomes what u u plus man umar now there is one more rule saying that the man suffix takes guna what is the guna for u o o so now what do we have o man o man not the country okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> o man okay then we have the dropping off of the tail t lopa it is called the dropping off of the tail and that last syllable has to be chopped off what is the last syllable in oman an so when you minus an from oman what do you get om 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 this is the protector very nice isn't it this is the protector this is the agent of protection and so here this is a linguistic verb which means the one who protects that which protects and so it stands for ishvara and what kind of a name it's not one more name for ishvara because you see we have various avataras of bhagavan we have incarnations like shiva parvati you know all the vishnu all these things ganesha those are all specific things correct om is the general thing the general name for ishvara not a specific name connected to any form or function so what do you mean by a general name for ishvara general name means that this name you know it's like when you have a in your computer there are many folders and files correct mm-hmm. so in one file you keep everything let's say you have one file which holds a lot of specific files on the same subject one is the general file that holds a specific files so the general file is om the specific folders are the various devatas various forms and functions so om stands for bhagavan and om also stands for the consciousness which is the truth of bhagavan so it includes the jagat it includes the universe with all the names and forms and it also includes that which is free of all names and forms and the shastra has loaded you know the om with the with certain meanings in the mandukya upanishad the first mantra says all that is here is om trikale pitishthati tadapi omkara that which is bhutancha bhavyancha bhavatcha that which is in the past in the future now that which is standing in all three periods of time unchanging is om and that which is beyond time is also om 
So Om is a general name for Bhagavan. And linguistically it has the meaning of that which always protects. Now if the Shastra has coined the verb, word Om to, to stand for Bhagavan and the whole universe and beyond that as well, then even phonetically it makes a lot of sense because there are three syllables in Om, A plus U plus M. Mm. Don't say M, it's just M, mm. right? And phonetically, it, linguistically we saw that, phonetically also it makes sense because the name for Bhagavan has to be universal. It's not your God, my God. It's me God. <laughs> it's not, oh my God, it's oh me God. So therefore, you cannot have, you cannot have one particular name from a particular culture, from a particular thing. So even linguistically, if it is Sanskrit, phonetically, it should apply to everybody everywhere and so phonetically based on the human voice acoustics what is the the primal sound what is the first sound that anybody makes if you just open your mouth ah, <laughs> ah. you know just open your mouth make a sound ah. ah that's what will come nothing else will come and then what's the last sound? Last sound means after you close your, after this fellow closes the mouth finally. Mm. Mm. Correct? <laughs> so the beginning and the end is, 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 is universal. And then you put an oo in the middle to round off all the other syllables in every other language. A plus oo plus m. You must never chant aum. Aum, Aum, no. Why? Because Brahman is one thing. It's a, it's a monolith. It's the only thing. It cannot be cut up into, uh, you know, into regions and things. So grammatically also there is violence. Phonetically also there is violence. And even though we may say A plus U plus M, actually it is Om. A plus U always becomes O. And once that guna operation has taken place, you cannot go back to A plus U. It's only just to think about it, A plus U, and also to see how beautifully the Shastra loads this word Om. It's very nice. And in the Mandukya Upanishad, this Atma is divided into four. What? The indivisible is divided into four? As though. <laughs> For the sake of understanding. And then it is put alongside the Om, the first syllable, Akara, the A sound, stands for the waker. Who is the waker? Hopefully all of you, correct? Right now? <laughs> this is the waker. Aham, I am the waker, correct? And so the waker is not happening. The waking is not happening in a vacuum. Where is the waking happening? In the Jagat. What kind of a Jagat? Man. A manifesting Jagat. Correct? So the, the syllable A stands for the waker and the waking world. This Jagat with all its noise, all its excitement, so many things are happening. And even when nothing is happening, new species are coming, old species are getting extinct. Somebody somewhere is getting moksha, hopefully, and somebody, somebody is again not having got moksha, is being reborn. So much is happening, you know, still, you know, still needing some more time on the Jagat is reborn. And somebody else is fighting and somebody else is, you know, cooking up something and somebody is going to office and it's like the Jagat is like a, a, a much larger macrocosm like the Grand Central Station, never a never a dull moment correct always things are going on things are going on going on going on going on this is our jagat so the individual waker is called vishwa 
and the waking universe which is the corresponding macrocosmic other end of the continuum of the individual waker the macroscopic representation of the individual waker is the waking jagat the waking world the waking universe is called virat vishva virat and then u what is u dreamer the thinking world the dreamer in relation to the thinking world or the individual thinker in relation to the thinking world this is much more subtle correct this is the realm of planning this is the realm of a, a, a sukshma realm a very subtle realm where the dreaming is happening and then at the level of the jagat also at the level of the microcosm it's the individual thinker or the dreamer at the level of the macrocosm we have hiranyagarbha the individual dreamer is called taijasa hiranyagarbha the manifesting universe the plan behind the manifesting like when you see a small shoot ready to just part into two you see that tiny shoot coming from the earth you see the baby rays of the sun just struggling to come out behind from behind the mountain all this is hiranyagarbha it's beautiful it's that potential to manifest as well as the manifesting universe that shakti which manifests and even within the individual that shakti to create a new world in the in the way in the in the by way of the dream this is what the individual is called taijasa the manifesting jagat the thinking jagat bhagavan in relation to the thinking world has got a name hiranyagarbha then after waking all day and after dreaming etc what does the person want to do sleep sleep what happens ego resolves duality resolves fear and sorrow resolve samsara resolves the sleeping world is marked by the absence of never known thinker thought dreamer dreamed there is only one reality to which the individual ego has finally submitted accidentally but you know submitted and it is a state of great happiness and unfortunately it's also a state of great ignorance because the person doesn't know i'm so happy <laughs> only in retrospect the person knows yes yes and since the person is maha ignorant in the sleep state ignorant of oneself ignorant of the waking world ignorant of being the the truth of the waker dreamer and sleeper ignorant of becoming one with ishvara so to speak therefore he is called pragnyah prakarshena agnyah the one who is who is a lost cause agnyani <laughs> and then what's on the other side ishvara correct what is ishvara in relation to the sleeping world what is that laya all, all that is there is one consciousness we are constrained to give it a name ishvara so why a stands for the waker and u stands for the uh, you know dreamer and ma stands for the for the sleeper all these reasons are given in the mandukya upanishad where it says that you know it really uses the words the the letters to rhyme and you know it is things start with u and things start with ma you know and all these things so it it's very beautiful and to a certain extent it's arbitrary so the waker dreamer sleeper om and then after om one om what comes om what is between one om what is after the beginning of one om and before the beginning of the other om 
silence. That silence is called Amatra. Amatra means no measure, doesn't, you know, is not counted really. But really that which we don't count is the only thing that counts. <laughs> because the truth of the waker is Amatra. The truth of the dreamer is resolving into Amatra. The truth of the sleeper is Amatra. The Adhisthana of the whole waking, dreaming, sleeping, Jagat, you know, Ishvara, Hiranyagarbha and Virat is Amatra. Amatra is Adhisthana. The other day I explained Adhisthana. What is Adhisthana? Yeah, the basis of everything, the truth of everything. So in this, this silence alone is that indicator, see, which is so beautiful. Om, mm, and after some, some length of chanting, mm, you have to stop. You cannot keep on saying, mm, 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 mm. you start sounding like a bee, you know. <laughs> and people will say, are you doing brahmari pranayama? There is one pranayama where you make the noise like a bee. So unless you are doing that, you have to stop. Om. You can drag it maybe a little bit. Om. After that you have to stop. Even if you don't want to stop, you are out of breath, you have to stop. And that is where, that is what really matters because that silence is what upholds the sound. It's a beautiful paradoxy. The silence upholds the sound. Because how will you notice sound otherwise if there is no silence? Correct? If already there is a lot of sound and one more sound happens, you are not going to notice the sound. In silence, sound comes. In silence, sound is cognized. Because of the silence, sound is cognized. And after sound finishes making the sound, where does the sound go? Where does it go? Resolves back into silence. That's a sound answer. <laughs> so, so this sound is, you know, sound cannot exist without silence. Time cannot exist without the timeless adhisthana. Time cannot exist. Space cannot exist without spacelessness. All names and forms cannot exist without that which is beyond names and forms. And so who is the silence? What is this silence? And then here of course there is another problem because people start thinking that Brahman is silence. Therefore, what? Shh, don't make a sound. <laughs> if you make a sound, Brahman chale jayega. It Brahman will go. As long as you are chup, Brahman will be with you. <laughs> chup means silent. You be silent, you know. And people talk like this. One time, you know, one person came in the Rishikesh ashram to talk. And, uh, you know, that time, Swamiji was there, Swami Dhananji was there and it was from some other ashram, this sadhu came. And so out of respect, Swamiji said, please say a few words, talk about Brahman. You know, they are all Vedanta students, please talk. And this man said, what is there to talk? Brahman is not, is not worth talking about, cannot be talked about, cannot, is communicated only through silence. Is, is a, it's an insult to talk about Brahman. In fact, everybody, if we just kept quiet, we would know Brahman quicker than if we are keeping on talking about it. The problem with Vedanta teachers is that they don't know this. He's saying this. They think that Brahman is communicated through words. Brahman is not communicated through words. Brahman is communicated through silence. Like this, he talked for two hours. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so this is the problem, they are not understood. The silence is the indicator of Adhisthana. Sound is also Brahman. So if you make a sound suddenly, if Brahman is going to get scared and run away because you made a sound, then which becomes more powerful? The sound becomes more powerful than the silence. 
This is ridiculous that you have to keep all quiet, otherwise Brahman will go away. With great difficulty I have got Brahman and somehow I have to hang on to it. And if I am quiet, it will stay with me. If I talk, the moment I talk, it will go away. That means Brahman is limited. If sound is opposed to Brahman, Brahman is limited. If silence is opposed to Brahman, Brahman is again limited. Correct? So what we are attempting to reveal through the word Om is that limitless truth of oneself that is not opposed to sound, that is not <coughs> opposed to silence. Then why are you harping on the silence? <laughs> I am harping on the silence to show that that in which all the names and forms resolve is silence. Where all the sound of the A, U, M resolve is silence. So that adhisthana into which all the names and forms resolve is that which is beyond names and forms. So the silence is the indicator in the example of Om. When you finish chanting Om, that silence is the indicator of what? Of that which is beyond all names and forms. And see, in the waker and the waking world, so the waker, the waking world, the, and the, so, the, so the jiva and the waking world, and the waking world includes all the whole manifest and manifesting universe. And the dreamer includes the potential to manifest including any individual jiva dreamers. And the sleeper includes the jagat in pralaya and the individual sleeper. What else is left out? Nothing is left out. No individual experience is left out and no universal experience is uh, left out either. So both the exclusive experiences of the individual jivas and the collective experience of the entire jagat is taken into account along with the creator of the Jagat. That is the first three sounds, A, U, Ma, that's what they stand for. And then all that is an incidental manifestation, the Jagat is an incidental manifestation of Brahman. We saw that. Like even the pot is an incidental manifestation of clay. Clay remaining uniquely itself can, can give rise to the pot, sustain the pot, and resolve the pot. So too, Brahman in the form of Ishvara can, you know, give rise to the waking world. In that consciousness, the waking world arises, the thought world arises, and, and all that is also resolved. Correct? And that resolution is marked by Amatra. What is that Amatra? Amatra means that not just, just the resolution in between two cycles of creation, but that ability to stand apart and be uniquely itself, not be chained to these three functions of, you know, srishti, sthiti, samhara, creation, sustenance, dissolution, or even the waking world, the dream world, the thought world, and the sleeping world. So we know that Brahman is not tied to this kind of a chain reality, like a bullock, tied to this oil machine, you know, oil press. On one side you have this big stone, poor thing, on the other side a short chain and a churning rod and then underneath they put some sesame and the whole thing just keeps going round, the bullock. So this, you replace bullock with Brahman, so then you have Virat, then it becomes Vishwa, then it becomes Daijasa, then it becomes Hiranyagarbha, then it becomes Pragya, then it just keeps going round and round. Oh, poor Brahman, it is tied to the cycles of creation and dissolution. No, that is why the silence indicates the essential nature of Brahman, that which is just indicated by silence. It doesn't mean only in silence you know. In fact, only through words you know. That is what is called Shabda Pramana, the words of the Shastra handled by a person who knows how to teach. That is what it is called. So therefore, in silence alone it is cognized, you can't say. Or in sound alone is, it's, it's cognized, you cannot say. That which is unopposed to sound and unopposed to silence. Then why are we talking about the silence? Because we are giving an example. We are loading the syllables A, U, Ma and silence to indicate Aparam and Param Brahma. The first three are Aparam Brahma. Aparam means Bhagavan here. 
the bhagavan in relation to the waking world and the individual waker because the waking world has to in- include the individual waker otherwise the individual waker will limit bhagavan and bhagavan will limit this jiva both are one both are limitless this is just from the standpoint of the individual and from the standpoint of the collective so the individual waker and the waking world are loaded into or correspond to akara a the individual thinker and the thought world correspond to u and the individual sleeper and the whole laya the the lull in between cycles of creation correspond to m mm. and after that what comes that is called turiya turiya is short for chaturiya which means the fourth really it's not the fourth it is the truth of all three it is the truth of all three it's not another state because these three you can call states because one changes to the other and when one is there the other two are not there but the fourth is silently there behind the first one behind the second one behind the third one always there that which upholds the first one two and three is called turiya it is there it is the invariable presence of that consciousness which morphs as it were into the waker and the waking world the dreamer and the dream world the sleeper and the sleep world while being none of the three do you see why in the example the silence is an indicator of that and since we cannot name it since we cannot objectify it since it can only be understood because it is self evident we just give it the name turiya that's all it is chaturiya that's all fourth means not the fourth like 1 2 3 4 not a discrete enumeration but fourth here means that which stands apart from the other three that which is the truth the adhisthana of the other three see how beautiful the omkara is so one chants om 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 so this is the when you are chanting now your emphasis is where on chant on the chant now let us chant again and this time you put the attention on the silence between the two chants and you see the emphasis totally changes so does the mood that it invokes om 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 you see that the whole emphasis changes in the first it was more of a dynamic person that was in, uh, invoked i am the one who is chanting correct and then never mind about the silence when is the next chant coming om 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 correct and in the second one if you noticed that the space between the chants was threatening to get longer and longer <laughs> because one likes to be in that space so much one loves to be in that space it's such a beautiful space you want to elongate it you want to elongate it correct yeah so and then in the first one the focus was on the next chant the next chant the next chant and here the focus was on this silence this silence this silence there was nothing next the next one with great difficulty you would say om and then again this silence here now you see that is what is turiya and how beautiful this one monosyllabic wor- word stands for the entire jagat and its adhisthana stands for the waker and the waker's adhisthana the sleeper and the sleeper's adhisthana so really speaking the the silence is not just at the end of om a uh, what is upholding the a uh, the silence u 
the silence is upholding the oh mm, the silence is upholding the oh mm. so om so when you say om when you meditate upon om you can visualize i mean in fact even if you don't visualize you have this sensation of the jagat bursting forth from ishvara really just like the chant is bursting forth from you and then mm, everything comes to a place of repose as it is the truth behind it which is yourself alone so it's not that the silence is empty the silence is the fullness the silence is everything the silence is purna that is your nature the silence is not an empty silence oh my god what should i do next no <laughs> that is only for people who don't understand this for people who understand om the silence is is total that silence is that totality of all the three states that statelessness is the silence the one that is unchanging in whom everything comes in whom everything lives in whom everything resolves that one which quietly does its job supports the three states itself doesn't even have a name doesn't even have a form that is what is the om and so you see this is why it is called shreshtham alambanam etad alambanam shreshtham kathopanishad lord yama says that and yama should know what he is talking about correct mm-hmm. yeah etam etad alambanam param this is the best way this is the most exalted way because by one word we include both param and aparam brahma and that one word is both the means and the end how beautiful is that it's the means to reach bhagavan and who is the reacher bhagavan what is reached bhagavan and so therefore the chanting of the om they say that give, drops things off it gives vairagya why because there is as a mantra there is a blessing correct and it brings its own fruit every mantra brings its own fruit and so the chanting of om by itself as a mantra you know gives vairagya vairagya means you feel sick of this world uh, of 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 life and you feel like running away to the himalayas or joining a three year course somewhere <laughs> if you are not ready to do that don't chant just om this is what is advised yeah because because then you will be neither here nor there you can chant om but put it along with a name for sagunam brahma like om namah shivaya ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते दक्षिणामूर्त ओम दुम दुर्गा नम लाइक दिस सो यू चांट अलॉन्ग विथ ए यू नो अवतारा ऑफ भगवान सो दैट दैट चांटिंग ऑफ ओम विल गिव द ब्लेसिंग्स ऑफ वैराग्या बट इट विल ऑल्सो कीप यू ग्राउंडेड सो दैट यू डोंट रन अवे वेन यू आर नॉट रेडी टू रन अवे दिस इज वॉट इट इज and then they made up a few more rules you know few more rules means what women should not chant om any guesses who made the rule <laughs> <laughs> who might have made that rule <laughs> not women correct yeah yeah <laughs> why because as i told you when you chant om 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 you feel like get up and getting up and leaving already when we chanted when we had a little mini you know omkara session here you nobody wanted to even talk everybody wanted to extend the silence and so therefore when you keep chanting om 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 you feel like getting up and going away and if the women all the women were to keep chanting om then who will cook because they will get up and go away who will clean who will take care of the men and help them to chant om nobody so therefore they made this rule and same thing with the, with the prayer called shri rudram women should not chant rudram because it gives vairagya yeah it 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 makes you it gives total objectivity it and uh, you see all the dysfunctional ways in which you are caught in things and you just feel like dropping it so they say they made these rules don't chant om don't chant rudram don't chant gayatri mantra all these things you know to ensure their three meals they made this rule <laughs> that's all it is no such rule 
it gives vairagya that is true and that is the precise reason the sanyasi is told to chant om the householder is told to not chant om because you should not leave the household if you are not ready for it and the sanyasi should not come back to the household <laughs> after renouncing everything so keep maintaining <laughs> your vairagya keep chanting om all the time <laughs> that is really the only mantra there is another mantra but really speaking that is the main thing the sanyasi is asked to do kalam nayet nirantaram <laughs> because we don't want you to come back <laughs> with great difficulty you have gone stay there now <laughs> whether the sanyasi is relieved after taking sanyasa or not the householders are happy why because they have got sanyasa from the sanyasi so therefore you know don't come back you stay in your sthana and let us stay in our sthana and so you keep chanting om and we will keep chanting om namah shivaya or any will uh, you know attach it om ishaya namaha om namo bhagavate vasudevaya any mantra you know <laughs> this is what we will do so this is the power of omkara it is not an ordinary mantra that is why eva alambanam param and it also and also another thing you can't really chant om without knowing the the meaning of the word om you can't use the you know you can't use a mantra for upasana without knowing the meaning correct and there was one group of people that was giving meaningless sounds for mantra and then you would ask the followers of this group what does the mantra mean oh it's just a meaningless sound how can a meaningless sound become you know mantra mantra means mananat trayate iti mantra that which protects upon repeated contemplation so for it to have the power to protect i should know what it means correct so you cannot chant om two things you cannot chant om without knowing the meaning so that's why i had to tell you the meaning here and number 2 you cannot chant om without really seeing the meaning as yourself correct you cannot say om is describing the glories ananta kalyana gunaha you know the, the describing the glories of some bhagavan sitting somewhere in kailasa sitting somewhere in vaikuntha kailasa and vaikuntha are indian versions of heaven you you know we have many heavens yeah one for shiva one for vishnu we have many many heavens one for the ancestors like this so it's not that you know this this om the omkara is the is not uh, invoking some bhagwan located somewhere that bhagwan is located in the very buddhi that is chanting om in fact the buddhi that is illumining om itself is illumining this whole jagat that light of consciousness which is you know blessing the buddhi is illumining the entire jagat and illumining its truth as well so therefore when you say om you cannot disinclude yourself correct so therefore it is the ultimate upasana and omkara upasana here is advised to ashvalayana because prajapati thought that ashvalayana is fit for plain omkara meditation and even if it is not plain omkara meditation you can use any mantra which begins with om all mantras begin with om even the gayatri mantra om tat sa viturvare enyam bhargo devasya dhimahi dhiyo yonaf prachodayat that also includes om and since om has only three matras you cannot elongate it in some ashrams people chant it like a siren you know you feel like there is some kind of tornado coming oh when it never ends that's not correct om 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 this is what it is so now ashvalayana is given this mantra here by the teacher not as a meditation not for gaining aparam brahma but for what but for understanding the truth of himself as param brahma as non separate from brahma and so any aid that helps you see the truth of the teachings is called contemplation it is not meditation 
because om is a word from the shastra whose meaning when you understand it reveals your own meaning and so recalling that meaning again and again what does it do it firms up the teaching in the heart so suppose there is a heart for whatever reason perhaps it is a little stubborn perhaps there is resistance perhaps there is a block or perhaps for some reason one cannot see something for you know there is some unconscious coming in the way and so therefore what therefore the omkara upasana is advised the contemplation is advised and usually the contemplation is not does not produce the, why usually at any time the contemplative practices we have to understand what is contemplation the contemplative practices do not produce knowledge what produces knowledge shravanam listening shravanam eva gnanasya mukhya sadhanam the primary way of gaining the teaching gaining the knowledge is called shravanam that is the only way really and if and shravanam will work how can it not work it is working it is, it does work but supposing one feels that my knowledge is covered or shrouded in doubt vagueness and error then one is asked to do mananam doubt removal which is what we have at the end of each class doubt removal any questions i will say yes how do we do this what do we do here how do we go about this this is what is you know doubt removal then okay the doubts are gone what should be is the object of meditation is gone why should i meditate is gone what is this knowledge is gone who is to be known is gone and is bhagwan myself or part of myself or what all that those doubts are gone but still i find that as soon as i finish the class what happens i'm back to the normal jiva life yeah in class i have an expanded consciousness as though consciousness can expand more than it is but this is how people talk my consciousness expands in class and then it crunches back after class it's not consciousness that expands or crunches back what is it it is the buddhi yeah so whatever it is in class i have this expansive feeling and after class all the day to day things come and rob me of the fruits of knowledge i have the knowledge i have the clarity but there appears to be a disconnect between the what i know and how i behave and that disconnect can be there in all branches of knowledge correct and in fact it is there in most all branches of knowledge this disconnect is there in all disciplines the teacher of microbiology after teaching microbiology for 10 years is not suddenly converted into a microbe <laughs> you know the students are looking everywhere where is the teacher and a voice comes from the floor look here i'm here and a small little bug with little pair of glasses is walking into the classroom this was the you know the professor who has become one with microbiology you know this never happens why because all branches of knowledge aparavidya means it is talking of objects and disciplines other than yourself correct it is the study of the rel relative but paravidya the study of the absolute has to include you and therefore the mundaka upanishad which gives these distinctions between para and apara the relative and the knowledge of the relative and the knowledge of the absolute as yourself also says at the end brahmavid brahmaiva bhavati the knower of brahman becomes brahman becomes what was the he or she before <laughs> before abrahman and now brahman no becomes is within heavy quotes becomes means in one's awareness becomes like the pauper became a prince there is there was a movie the prince and the pauper and we have our own story like that and in our version of the story there was a terrible coup at the time of you know at the time of a king uh, when the king was reigning and when the prince was still a baby and the king and and his wife the queen knew that they were going to perish that the army was really bad and the other king was going to completely that they had surrounded the kingdom 
and they, they were going to kill them and they didn't want the prince to die. So what did they do to the prince? They put him in a basket, covered him with old leaves and sent him along with the nurse and the minister to a safe place to be brought up like an ordinary boy in the village. Okay? So that later on, after all this went and then the minister who was very faith, faithful had promised the king that I will reinst I will, you know, even if you lose your life, I will fight back these enemies. I will reinstate the prince regent and I will make him rule this kingdom even after you. Unfortunately, the nurse and the minister, as they are, you know, fleeing the kingdom to go to some remote village, get, you know, the, get into a big fire, you know, there's some kind of a fire and some kind of an ambush and they are separated from the prince, the basket is left somewhere and they flee for their lives, they all survive, but they lose the basket. Then the, the minister who had made the, the king, of course, perishes in this war and the army is, 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 now the new king is very tyrannical and horrible and the minister is feeling very guilty now. Why? Because he had made that, given the word to the king and he keeps looking for the prince and he keeps praying for this prince to be alive and well wherever he is and for him to be united with this prince. Five years pass by and then he comes upon a group of playing urchins who are fighting for some thing from the garbage and then he recognizes the prince because the prince had some birthmark in the neck behind and he recognizes the shape, he makes this child sit on his lap, he recognizes the birthmark and he says, this indeed is the prince. So he takes him to the barber, gets his hair cut, you know, gives him, dips him in a, in a flea bath. Because <laughs> he was a roadside urchin for all these years, you know, and gives him royal finery, you know, cleans, cleans him up and puts him on the palaquin, you know, that they carry. And then he says, now all these tyrannical offenders, you step down because you think there was no heir and now you are occupying the throne. The heir has been found and is going to be ceremoniously, ceremoniously, ceremonially brought to the palace. At such and such a time, the town criers announce very well. And then all the whole, the whole street, the whole town, the whole kingdom comes out to see them and receive this prince. They are so happy, they are sick of this king. And the mantri says, the minister says, I'll, I will, you know, under my guidance, he will rule. Just like the king, I ruled, you know, the king ruled under, you know, also. And the king taught me the ways. And so the prince will rule under he, until he reaches majority. I will be the, you know, one who is guiding him. And so this is, you know, they, they cannot, they have to vacate the throne. And so the whole town comes to greet this prince. To their horror, what does the prince do? The palaquin, the, 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 uh, the procession passes through the, the streets and the, the prince sees another garbage can. He jumps out, <laughs> jumps out, jumps down from the palaquin. And what does he do? Sifts through the garbage can, finds some bread and fish and start old, you know, piece of fish that just, you know, scale, scaly pieces that people have thrown and some stale bread, chapati, and he's eating it, eating it. And the mantri is, the minister is horrified. What are you doing? You are Maharaj. You are a prince. You cannot do all this. Will I have fish? You will have the finest fish in, in, in the whole kingdom. In fact, all the fishes will come to you only. Will I have bread? You will have bread from all over the world. Come, sit back here. You know, again he cleans him up. Again he sits back. And then again down the road he sees a few more people fighting for something. He gets off and does this again. This is what is called Viparita Bhavana. So, one doesn't become Brahman. Just like the pauper doesn't become prince. The pauper was always the prince. The pauper, you know, that he was a pauper was a superimposition upon the, the princely, upon his princely being. So too the Atma is always Brahman, that the Brahman, you know, thinks of itself is the, as the pauper Jiva is the problem 
And so when this problem comes, this is called Viparita Bhavana. It's not that the, the boy doesn't know I am prince. But he forgets because this is there is a there is a habitual orientation that is going against that. So therefore the Omkara Upasana is that contemplation which which restores you know which removes that superimposition completely, takes away the viparita bhavana and restores oneself back to oneself. Om Purnamadav Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachate Purnasya Purnamadagya Purnameva Vashishyate Om Shanti Shanti Shantihi Harihi Om Shri Gurubhyo Namaha Harihi Om